Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, today we're going to start a series. You see the title, Are You My Neighbor? I think the next couple of weeks... Uh, will be extremely important for us as followers of Christ. Uh, what we read today and what we're going to read in the scriptures and what's on the screen is a question. Well, what we're starting with and what we're reading today starts with a question. Questions are powerful. They get to the bottom of what people are thinking. Ken Coleman uh, wrote a book called One Question. states, I've been constantly astounded at how the right question just one solitary question can yield an unforgettable answer cram-packed with insight, wisdom, and encouragement for every stage of life. One of the skills that's probably lacking in our culture today is the power of the question. So I have a question for you. If you could ask anyone one question, who would it be? What would be the question? If you could ask anyone one question, who would it be and what's the question? You have this moment where you get to come face to face with the person that you have always dreamed of talking with. You have the opportunity to ask the one question. Will you be able to? Would you go, uh... And not be able to get it out. Look, some of the smartest people I know ask a lot of questions. Okay? The reason they ask questions, many of them, many of the smartest people I know, the reason they ask questions is not because they want to get you to the place where you don't know the answer. They want to get you to the place where they know they have found every bit of knowledge that you have on a subject. Because see, people want to be brilliant, want to just, they just want to get all they can out of you. They want to understand as much as they can. So they ask questions. Sometimes people ask questions from a bad motivation, right? I mean, some people ask questions because they want to argue with you. Look, I, I know a guy. I know a guy. His name is Giovanni. If you want to get in a conversation with Giovanni, just ask him a question. I Ask him a question, like, hey, Giovanni, who, who are the 10 best NBA players ever? Like, he'll have that conversation with you, and more. I've learned more about NBA basketball since I've known Giovanni, because he loves his basketball. Okay, look, look, he'll ask you, who, who are the best centers of all time? Who, who are the best power forwards of all time? Who, who, who scored the most points? Like, he'll tell you how many games Will Chamberlain had that were over a certain number of points, right? Tell me that, right? How, how many? Oh, come on. Children, they're never the illustration you want them to be. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, we're going to start with a question. 
from Luke chapter 20, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And here it is. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Picture the scene with me. Jesus is in a setting teaching his disciples and other followers. There are people there who are just curious as well as others who are not curious but frustrated with Jesus' popularity. There were the regulars, his disciples, but included in the crowd would be some recognizable religious leaders. One of them decides that this is the time to test Jesus. Other Bible translations would refer to the man as a lawyer or a scribe. Let's put it this way. He was an expert in the law. He was expert in the the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He also would have been expert in, in the prophets and the poetry. Everyone knew the man was an expert. If you didn't know it by anything else, you, you would have known it by what he was wearing. He was wearing the robes of his office, colorful robes. He was me- meticulously dressed. He, in the center of his forehead, a cap, black calfskin leather box, as well as on his wrist or on his arm. And it would look something like this. Get a picture there. Inside that box, which is called the phylactery, were four small scrolls containing key sections of the Torah. Deuteronomy 6, Exodus 13, Deuteronomy 11, and Leviticus 19, 18. Deuteronomy 6, and the heart of the law says this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road. When you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And as you can see, they took this literally. That was in the box on his head. And anytime you see an Orthodox Jew today at the time of prayer, you'll see the same thing. The phylactery is put on at the time of prayer, on the head and the wrist. And Leviticus 19.18, which is also in that box, says, love your neighbor as yourself. Look, here is what Jesus had to say about some of those religious leaders of his day that did exactly what Matthew 23.5. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. This is the man who stood up to question Jesus. The question then arises from that. Did he want an answer? Or did he want an argument? The text of Luke tells us and makes it very clear that he... Asked the question not because he wanted an answer, because he wanted an argument. He stood up to test Jesus, what the scriptures tell us. Many times our English language does not have the flavor of synonyms that other languages have. 
For example, we know that the English word love is a problem. See, because the Greek New Testament has three different words that can be used for the word love. The same way, the same thing is true for the word test. There's more than one word for test. The word that's used here is only used three times in the New Testament. It's used in Luke 4.12 by Jesus when he's resisting Satan's temptation of jumping off the top of the temple. Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. It's used here in Luke 10, and it's used in 1 Corinthians 10.9 of the children of Israel. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. That sounds like a great way to go. Boy, you know, let's see, that's a reason enough not to test the Lord, right? You don't want to be killed by snakes. All three times that this word test is used, it's used by people who don't really believe in God. Or, or simply wanting to defeat God's purposes or put God to the test to prove that he is God. God is never in a position where he has to prove he is God. But it says, do not put the Lord to the test. But here's the problem. The expert of the law who asked Jesus the question had known the answer to the question from his earliest days in school. Practically before he had learned the Hebrew alphabet, he had learned the center of the law. Remember what Deuteronomy said. He said, teach this to your children. Repeat it on the road. Repeat it at home. Teach it. Remind them. Put it everywhere. Put it on the doorpost of your, your house in the frame. and put, put those things there so that you will know. Look, he knew. When he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He knew the answer. Any schoolboy could answer the question. It's all wrapped up in the law. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. It's fundamental. The expert in religious law, though, was hoping that Jesus would answer differently. So he could engage him in an argument. Maybe he had heard Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, in which Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Or maybe he heard Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he was ready to engage Jesus in a conversation about the merit of the law and the sacrificial system and the need for the priesthood and, and the institutions within Judaism. I, I don't know, but he was ready for debate. But Jesus was too smart for that. Instead of answering the question, Jesus lobs the question back to the expert in religious law. Now, I just want to give you a little thought here. If you're ever stumped and somebody comes to you and asks you a question, just ask him one back. I mean, it's a stall tactic, I understand. And that's not Jesus' reason here. Jesus lobs back the question because everyone knew this guy was an expert in the law. Jesus knew the answer. He knew exactly what he needed to do. So he lobs back a question. We find in verse 26, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? 
How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And there's that quote from Deuteronomy 6 to Leviticus 19. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus another question. And who is my neighbor? The expert in the law answered rightly. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Such a great answer. But as we know, every Jewish schoolboy, elementary age kid, would have known that answer. Even the fishermen who were Jesus' disciples could have answered that. It wouldn't have taken an expert in the law. But, but, but Jesus doesn't respond with sarcasm like I would have. He simply says, right, do this and you will live. Again, remember the original question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a quest. It's a quest for many in the time of the first century in Israel, and it's a quest still for us in our culture today. People don't want to die. They want to live. They were searching to know they would inherit eternal life. The quest doesn't change, it appears. You know, there are people, hundreds of people around the world, who, before they died, give instructions that their bodies be frozen in order to potentially be brought back to life another time. Study of cryogenics, I know you thought it was just in, you know, cartoons and all that, but, but no, really, it exists at some level. People want to live. Jesus' response was, do this, and you will live. And it's a two-part answer. It's a two-part thing. He says, look, look, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. But the expert in the law, and anyone else for that matter, had been able to live out that commandment without fail. Then they would have had eternal life. The problem was, no one was able to live that out. That's why Jesus was answering the question. That's why Jesus came to earth. Because they tried everything. They tried to do all the things they could do. They were trying everything. Notice, they, they were so interested in getting it all right that they, they, they put that on their forehead and on their arms and, and they, they wrote things and, and they tried. They were trying to do everything they could. They were, they were trying to fulfill the letter of the law. But they were missing the heart of the law. They were missing the intention of the law. That's why Jesus came to earth. Because we needed someone to pay the price for our sins since there wasn't a way for us to be good enough to get eternal life. Today we're talking about this first part of the answer. We're, we're talking about this first thought where it's saying love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And for the next three weeks we're going to answer the question, 
Are you my neighbor? Jesus' response is, do this and you will live. Look, there's nothing we can do to live. Jesus has done it for us. We're not going to love the Lord our God with all our heart, most sign. Wow. There are some days the brain works and the mouth doesn't. Or maybe the mouth is not. I don't know. Wow. I'll try that again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And that really is an invitation to know God. To be in relationship with Him. Look, when, when, when God is saying to us that we, we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, Is that like too much coffee in one day? I'm not sure. I'm just trying to figure this out already. Wow. I'm about to ask you another question. Just so you can think. Look, there are some things that are so foundational in our lives that we have to learn them in order to do anything else well. How about like learning our letters? Every teacher knows that if we don't learn the basics of understanding letters, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? But if we don't understand the basics of our letters, we're not going to read well. Profound, isn't it? I'm on that today. Profound. Now if I can just keep talking. Without reading, it's difficult to learn. I mean, audiobooks are a great help and all those things, but, but for people who struggle to read, it makes it difficult to learn. Loving God with everything we have is a foundation for everything else that we do in life. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Now I want to ask you a question. Have you ever done anything in your life that took everything you had in you? All the strength you had, all your mind, all your heart. Look, you've heard athletes, right? I mean, just watch some sporting event. And you'll hear athletes say this. We left it all on the field today. My question for you is, have you left it all on the field? Have you left everything? You, have you done something in your life that, that you've left it all on the field? Look, there's a lot of physical challenges that are also mental challenges. 
right? And oftentimes the mental side is what keeps people from completing the physical challenge. Oftentimes the body is strong enough, but the mind is not. See, part of the toughest thing about riding long distances, because you know, I've ridden some long distances, and, and, and I know Ansel said these words to me, in the midst of riding, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, the longest we'd ever ridden before we rode 100 miles in one day was 20-something. Most of our training rides are about 17 miles. Look, one of the things that you realize when, when you've been somewhere before is you can do something. Well, I could tell her we can do this. You know, people, a friend of mine climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Okay, it was a, it was a physical task. One of the top difficult things to, to do and, and it, it's one of those pieces where where you see look it takes everything you have both strength and mental and it takes all those things my question for you is when you think about it that way when you think about loving God with all of your heart soul mind and strength have you left it all on the field i know god does not expect us to live our lives as followers of christ on the edge of physical and mental exhaustion i get that but we are to give god all that we have he says his instructions to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, and Jesus repeats it. We are to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. What that means is we're not to hold anything back from Him. We're not to, hold, we're not to reserve any part of our lives from God. It wasn't enough to have the verses strapped to the forehead. It isn't enough just to know the verse. It isn't enough just to understand that that's what we ought to do. He really wants, God really wants you and I to love him with everything we have. Not because we're going to inherit eternal life if we do it. Because he wants us to love him with all that we have. Because it's the foundation point of everything else we're going to do. Loving God. Look, He loves us perfectly. There's no improvement on that. And we're never going to love perfectly. But we're to try. The question for you today is, do we love God with all that we have? Do we let other things get in the way of our love for God? Look, the reason we're doing this series and we've started in this way, is because you can't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and not love your neighbor as yourself. On the other hand, you can't love your neighbor as yourself without loving God with everything in you. But you can love your neighbor. You can care about your neighbor, but you can't love your neighbor the way God wants you to love your neighbor without loving God first. Well, 
Welcome to April, right? It snows on two Sundays. Last Sunday was ridiculous, right? Easter. Easter is snowing. Go, go to church, not snowing. Come out of church, it's snowing, and the wind is howling. Like, how many of you, like, had a coat on that you thought was warm enough last week, and you realized it wasn't warm enough? Because wind has this ability to get to places you didn't know it could get to. Hey, that's why, that's why pipes freeze in the winter, right? Because just a little draft from the outside bringing air into the house will freeze your pipes. Look, this winter wasn't the coldest winter we've ever had since I've lived here. But we had pipes freeze both in Mission Hill and at the Kaiapa house in the same week. No, it wasn't the same week. Within two weeks of each other. Yeah. Happy New Year. We got a broken pipe in the Kyle house. <laughs> yeah, like that was New Year's Day. And it, because it can find places that we didn't know were exposed. Here's what I want for you today. Is I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to find those places in your life that you think you've given it all to God, but you haven't. I want you to allow the wind of the Spirit to speak to you of places you've not given God all of your love, where you've held back some things in your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm asking you to let God speak into your life this morning as we close, and you understand that there's places that God wants to grab a hold of. Not because he's mean, but actually because he's loving. He wants to point out places to bring you closer because he wants to have an even closer relationship with you than he's ever had. Look, you might be really close to him. He'd like for you to be closer. Look, what are the places of our time, our energy, our mind, our resources. Look, the expert in the religious law, he would have understood that to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, strength, and your mind, encapsulate the entire person. There would be nothing withheld from God. Our loving God isn't about a knowledge thing. It isn't just a physical thing. It isn't just a feel thing. It should be all of us. It should be every part of our lives loving our loving God. It's easy to say we love God, that it's a personal thing. My love of God isn't just between me and him. We can say it is. Jesus didn't let him get away with it then. He's not going to let us get away with it now. And that's why we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about, are you my neighbor? But it all has to come from the foundation of loving God. Conclusion's this. How is your love? Do you love God with all that is in you? If not, 
Think about it. Allow God to speak to you today. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The great commandment sums it up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love must be a priority. It must be our priority. It must be my priority. It must be your priority. Loving God and loving others. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for your word. God, I pray as we embark on a journey of understanding what it means to love our neighbors, and as we ask the question, is you my neighbor? Lord, let it all start from the foundation of loving you. Lord, I pray this morning that in each one of our lives, we would simply pray a prayer. Lord, show me the places of my life that I haven't fully surrendered to you. God, show me places in my life that I'm not loving you with all that I have. Lord, whether it be from my mind, physical strength, my resources, my time, my heart, my soul. Whatever part of me, whatever place in my life is not fully surrendered to you, Lord, I'm asking this morning that we would all pray that kind of prayer. God, show me places and I need to love you more. Show me ways I can love you more. Not because I want to earn something from you, but because I want to know you more. I want to reflect more of who you are. I want to be the follower of Jesus you want me to be. I want people to see Christ in me. Lord, that I can get to the place where I can pray prayers and make statements like Paul made. For me to live as Christ and die as gain. Lord, that my life would be wholly surrendered to who you are and what you're doing. That God, you would be honored and glorified in ways you've never been before in my life. Because I'm surrendering my life wholly and completely to you. Lord, I pray in these closing moments, have your way in every one of our lives. In Jesus' name.